All right, well, I am getting the opportunity, as I said, to uh, continue in a series that we're in, which is City Gospel Movements. We're talking about gospel movement and how God moves through the church of the city to bring his kingdom and his desire on earth. Amen? That's pretty exciting, isn't it? And so Jason kicked off the theology of God speaking to the church of the city, and then Stephen Patty did a brilliant job talking to us about the unity and the way that we're called to collaborate and what can happen as we do that, and of course, so much more. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I don't know where Patty went. She must be with the kids. She's with the kids. God bless those guys. They, they go ahead and help facilitate gospel movements. They teach in children's church. Come on, the whole package. So today what I'm going to talk to you about is I want to continue to talk to you about how we as the church then, local and along the city church, because how many of you guys know we are, we are a local expression of the church, but we are not the whole church. We're part of the overall church of this area. Amen? So for us, how then do we operate? If we're called to do it, which we are, if it's commanded that we walk in unity as one, which we are then how do we do that? What does it look like? And uh, so I want to start by um, reintroducing a word that you guys are familiar with, and it's the word that we get church from. When you hear the word church, that, that word was translated from a Greek word, ekklesia. That word ekklesia. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he said, I will build my ekklesia and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, for, for, for the people that were listening to Jesus at that time, they knew exactly what he was talking about. What he was talking about, because he's speaking to Jews that are under Roman rule right now. Ooh, I'm making extra noises. <clears throat> that are under Roman... That are under Roman rule right now. And the way that this, that this happens in Rome is the ecclesia are the citizens of Rome where when they come into any area that Rome has conquered, then the citizens of Rome come. And if they're gathered, two or three, they represent the government of Rome to bring the rule and reign and culture and laws of Rome into that city, into that town, into that place. So they represent, they're the representatives of Rome, and they have all the authority of Rome to establish the culture and the reign of Rome in that place. And Jesus said to them, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. What he was saying is, I am calling my assembly of citizens of heaven, and they, I am building that, and the gates of Hades, death itself, will not stand against it. Are you with me? So this is an interesting word for us, and I want to unpack it a little bit more, but I want you to catch the fact that God was saying to them, this is how my people actually work, that you're assembled. And in fact, he even goes further because Jesus said something interesting, and what he was doing when he said it, he said this. He said, where any two or more of you are gathered in my name, there's my father in the midst. Do you guys remember that? If any two or more of you are gathered in my name, Jesus said, then there I am in your midst. I am with you. And what he's saying is 
you represent my kingdom, and if any two of you come together, I'm with you. You have all of the backing of the kingdom of heaven and me, my actual presence with you any time that you gather in my name. And they understood this because they were already seeing this in action as Rome was, had conquered pretty much the known world. And so they saw what this looked like to have Roman citizens come and establish Roman rule. Jesus was saying, I'm here. My father owns everything. He created everything. I'm the Messiah. And if you gather in my name, my kingdom is fully coming with you everywhere that you go. I'm with you. And you have all of the kingdom power behind you to live as I live and to establish my values, my presence, and my purpose in that area. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So it was no small thing. I'm going to just do some adjusting here. It was no small thing when he was saying that. Are you guys, are you guys with me? Are you understanding this? So we are the ecclesia. We're here. We're here right now, and we're call, we're we have this call. All right. It didn't do it when Bo was mixing last time. I know, so right? Know. All right, we're doing this. It's happening. Handheld. All right. So we have this call as the ecclesia then to understand this is how he's operating. And, and, I, and I would say it like this, the way, that, the way that God works in how he's extending his kingdom with us is through the law of displacement. How much darkness can stay in an area when light comes in? It's just immediately displaced by the light. And that's what we're called to do. We're actually coming into areas and wherever we go, what did Jesus say to us? I'm with you. In fact, in, um, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there it is again. He says, I want you to go as you go. Remember this, all authority has been given to me. And as you go, I want you to make disciples of all nations. And then he ends by saying, and surely I am with you. This is called the Great Commission. But I'd like to point out that it could also very easily be called the Great Partnership. That he's not sending us out without him to go do this. He's saying, as you go, I'm with you. And we're going to do this. Amen? I don't know about you, but that is a whole lot less intimidating than if he's not with us. So let me, let me share a couple of parables then of if we are the ecclesia, and I think you guys got that, and we've talked about that before. If we have been given delegated authority to work with God and God is with us, and as we go, we're to make disciples, what is that supposed to look like? And in the context of city gospel movement, in, the, in, in us engaging in cities, what does it look like for the called out ones, the assembly of God to come in and affect cities? How are we supposed to do that 
And what, what should we picture? And I'm going to share a few testimonies of that in action, and, and you've heard a few so far. But, but let me just begin with a couple of parables, because the paradigm of how we understand how we as the ecclesia are to operate, extending the kingdom and coming and bringing and praying for the peace of the city, our picture better match his picture or what we're creating is going to be, might even, we might even find ourselves at odds with what he is seeking to do. So, so let me start with the first parable, and, and you guys are probably familiar with this one, but maybe there's someone here who hasn't heard it. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Jesus told a parable about yeast, and he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who took yeast, and she mixed it into the dough until it had gotten completely throughout the whole lump of dough. Now, how many of you guys know what yeast does? When you put the yeast into the dough, what happens? It starts to rise. It starts to rise. When the yeast goes into the dough, it catalyzes and begins to cause the entire loaf to rise. Now, God said the kingdom of heaven is like that. You guys, when we are mixed in, and this is very, very important, how many of you guys have ever seen someone set a jar of yeast next to a loaf of bread and then see the loaf, I mean, a a loaf of dough? Is it called a, it's not a loaf till it cooks. So what is it? Lump? A lump. A ball? A ball of dough. A lump of dough. We could vote on that later. But at any rate... (laughs) The dough. How many of you have ever seen somebody set a jar of yeast next to the dough and then had the dough rise? Not one. It has to be mixed into the dough in order for it to rise. And here's what's interesting about this. In God's perspe- from God's perspective, that's what he wants from us. When we mix into our cities, when we mix in throughout, and it says it mixed throughout, the, the kingdom got mixed throughout the whole lump, the whole lump. It is imperative that you and I, as those who are called, the ecclesia, those that are carrying the fragrance of Christ, the catalytic nature of Christ, it causes everything in the city when we show up with God's values and God's presence and God's influence and we act like him and love like him and bring solutions like him and engage like him. And by the way, we don't leave, which is just like he is. He doesn't leave, does he? And we stay in that place. What happens? Everything in the city begins to rise. Are you with me? And remember this, Jesus said this. He said, I, my father, I want, you to, I want you to love your enemies. This is what he says. I want you to love your enemies because my father loves them. And he loves you. And he causes the rain to fall on the wicked and the righteous. Guys, God has no intention for us to come outside of the city just because there happen to be jerks in the city. He wants to have mercy on everyone and see them turn to him if they will, just like he did with us. How many of you guys know that you and I had to have a Messiah save us, amen? All right, and he wants that for everybody in the city, and he actually wants the city to prosper, but the only way the city will prosper is if you and I are mixed into the city. Do you receive that? So we are called to be yeast, and we have to stay in the mix, 
Turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm in the mix. And I ain't leaving. You didn't sound very convinced on that one. I ain't leaving. All right, there we go. Now, what we do is we do this as the people of God with the values of God. We do this by our works and our words. Our works, say works, and our words. All right? This is what we do when you come in. Now, think about all of the scriptures that we have that equip us as the ecclesia, as God's people, as yeast. They're all relational admonishments. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that God is way into relationship? Have you noticed that all of the law was written so that you could love your neighbor? That, thank you so much. Oh, what are we preaching about? Did you notice that? Did you notice that these are all relational words? You and I are uniquely poised and equipped to bring the values and the culture of God's heart for humanity through everything that he is and everything that he teaches. We are those that know how to turn the other cheek. We are those that know how to persevere. We are those that know that he's working all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. We're those that are commanded to be patient. We're the ones that are told that love is not easily offended, is not puffed up, doesn't seek his own, doesn't keep a record of wrongs, and never fails. You're the right people at the right time in the right place for the right reason. And when you're in your place being like Christ, all of the city begins to rise. And we do that through practical works. You know, one of the things that we do as believers and, 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 and is that we actually see, how many of you guys know there's a scripture that says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil? He said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. And he said to us, before he went to be with the Father, he says, I'm gonna go be with the Father, but it's good because then the Holy Spirit's gonna come, remind you of everything and empower you and you'll do greater works than I'm doing. Which means some of those greater works is destroying the works of the enemy. And what do those look like? Relational poverty, material poverty, injustices, things that hurt God's people. We come in the opposite spirit and we actually, we actually undo what the enemy is doing. Think about even, even in this respect, you think about the amount of disrespect that's going on in the world right now. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? And then suddenly you inject the yeast of believers and you have these people that refuse, that is if we're being obedient, maybe today will be out your amen, but we refuse to get offended and we stay engaged and we continue to demonstrate the patience and the kindness of God while we seek to understand and seek to continue to see the peace and prosperity of our city. Blessed are the peacemakers. Are you with me? These are not, this is not, the, this, these are not ethereal concepts, right? If you stay, if you stay and continue to walk as a peacemaker, you will release peace in that area. It might not be easy every day, but if you don't leave the presence of Christ and your continued faithfulness will bring the kingdom, the presence of the kingdom into your sphere of influence, into the area where you are. It will change if you are there. And it will change if you leave. 
Amen? So it's through our works. Here's a great example of that in action that I like. Great. I I love this. I actually wore this shirt as I was baptizing Mallory, and I think she got an extra blessing because of it. I was wearing an In-N-Out shirt. (laughs) Not everybody loves In-N-Out burgers, but that's okay. This, too, the Lord will speak to you about. But, you know, I really like In-N-Out. They're a great company. And the, the original founding family loves the Lord. The original family loves the Lord. And I think the kids uh, love the Lord as well. I don't know as much about the kids, but I do know that the original family loves the Lord. And their desire to honor God in their business, where they took the concepts of what the gospel of the kingdom brings, the way that they applied it in their business is that from the outset, they have always paid a higher wage than the other fast food restaurants. They do a ton of training. They offer benefits before other, before other places were offered, like these kinds of like service industry type jobs. They're like, we're gonna give you benefits and we're gonna give you high pay. They also offer really quality burger. You might not agree with how they put it together and I'll give you that because I have to practice what I preach and be patient and kind to people who are wrong about things. <laughs> but they do offer hormone-free beef Everything is fresh, it's a quality product, and they train their people to be very kind and positive one to another and to their customers. And they go, now, if you like the fact that we operate in generosity because the Father is generous, that we share that with our employees and seek for them to succeed, and if you like the food and you like the service, and you're curious enough to know what it is that causes us to be motivated in this way, we put a little clue on the bottom of your cup, John three sixteen, or Proverbs on the bottom of the French fries. And this is how they have applied bringing their yeast into the city and seeing it rise. That's a cool application. It's not the only application, but it's a cool one. Can you, can you see that? That's a fun example of allowing the gospel of the kingdom to come in and say, okay, Lord, you've given me the honor to be in the workplace, how then can we glorify you in the workplace through delicious burgers, Father? And the Lord has also somehow kept them humble, even though they've got the best burger out there. There's another parable that Jesus used, though, however. As we are looking at what we're called to do in the city, because you guys, we are called to be in the city, and we are called to believe that when Jesus said, I want you to pray on earth as it is in heaven, right? Father, we pray your will be done, your kingdom come. Where? Right? So that's a pretty big vision. But we have to say, okay, Lord, as we're doing this, as we're, as we're doing this in government, as we're doing this on school boards, as we're doing this in our businesses, in our families, in the media, in the arts, what is that supposed to look like? And Jesus gives us another parable that I think is very, very important for us because this can be applied in a way that's actually pretty scary. Some people here on earth as it is in heaven, and they equate it to the idea that believers should grab a hold of all of the levers of, of power and then rule over the wicked. And, you know, we'll be nice about it. You're just not allowed to do anything too stupid or we'll put you on an island. But it's okay because we're the people of God. If we're in control, everything will be better. And that's, I could see why a person would come to that conclusion. I'm a, I'm a big brother. There's 10 kids in my family. I'm the oldest boy. I actually think it's a great idea for me to be in control of everything. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. My older sister has something to say about it, but she's wrong. 
But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Well, let me just let the parable speak for itself. Let me let the parable speak for itself. There's another parable that Jesus told. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who told his servants to go out and plow and plant the field. And so they did. They went out and they planted wheat. And it says, but an enemy came and sowed weeds in with the wheat. And when they finally sprouted, there was all the weeds mixed in with the wheat. And the servants came and they said, oh my goodness, master, an enemy has done this. And he sowed in these weeds with the wheat. Do you want us to go out there and pull all of the weeds? And the, and the, and the landowner says to him, this is Jesus telling the story. The landowner says to them, no, 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 no. Don't pull the weeds because if you pull them right now, you're going to damage the wheat. Let them both grow up together. And when they are all full grown, then we'll harvest everything and we'll separate the weed, weeds, <laughs> the weed. We'll separate the, this is Oregon. This is just, it just gets, this is where we are. We'll separate the weeds from the wheat and we'll throw the weeds in the fire and we'll bring the, the wheat into the storehouse. And then he explains what the parable means. He says, the weeds are the sons of the enemy, the, of, the, of the evil one. The wheat are the sons of God. The harvesters are the angels. And in that, and in that day, when we finish this life, we will stand before the Lord and he will separate those who have chosen to follow him and those that choose to reject him. What's the point? He says, it's at the end of the age that that happens. God is okay with the wheat and the weeds growing up together at the same time. Did you catch this? This is really important for gospel movement understanding of the ecclesia. We gotta get this. He's not asking us to remove all the bad people from the city in order for the city to prosper. Because here's the spoiler alert. He loves them. Just like he loved us before we became the good people. That's like a big amen right there. Like, amen. He loves us. You were bad before you became good. Are you picking this up? You were an enemy of God when he died for you. And so are they. He is patiently waiting, hoping that most of them will turn to him. His desire is that all of them would turn to him. But here's the thing. He's not willing to remove people from our society because if he does that, did you catch the parable? It will actually damage us. How many of you guys know that God is able to bless you through wicked people? Come on. So as we're looking at gospel movement, we as the believers have to start getting real okay with the fact that God has a plan for that person that's next to you who might be one just deceived by the enemy and they don't realize they're working for him or they might be all in either way. God is working for your good and for the peace of the city, regardless of what's going on with the weeds. Are you with me? So we have to have that picture in our mind because otherwise we will embrace attitudes 
and strategies that actually go against what God's trying to do as he's bringing blessing and peace to these cities through his kingdom. We're called to continue to faithfully be yeast and cause and pray for the city to prosper and be at peace. And we don't have to worry about what's going on with the weeds. And in fact, we work right alongside those who do not yet follow Christ. Are you guys with me? And what that looks like, some language for that. I mean, I know this, I'm using, you know what, I'm not, I'm not even gonna apologize, sorry. What that looks like is people of good faith, that's us, and people of good will, that's those that are in the world. They're not necessarily walking around trying to be evil, guys. These guys are not our enemy. These guys are collateral damage who at this point have not yet been set free from our enemy. You with me? People of goodwill, we can work alongside those who are not yet in the kingdom. They're not our enemy. Now someday we will all stand before the Lord and everyone will have an opportunity to accept or reject Jesus, but that's above our pay grade. What we do is we walk forward in good works for the city as those who are called by God and by the way have the authority of God to release blessing in every place that we are. Wherever you are, wherever two or more are gathered, ask my father for anything in my name and he'll do it. Lord, I'm praying you'd come into my business right now that the presence and the generosity and the blessing and the joy of your kingdom would rule and reign where I work. That's bigger than a Bible study. Bible studies are great, but really good pay, awesome benefits, profitability, Respect, honor, and affirmation are even more important. The Bible will tell you how to do that. But having that happen in your workplace, that's heaven on earth. Are you with me? And that's what we get to do. You guys are very quiet. Are you enjoying this? I'm enjoying this. I have enough joy for all of us. All right, let me share a couple of stories with you of some of these things that, that are happening as we continue to do this, as we continue to do this, that we, 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 we understand our role and we're at peace with the fact that God is building what he's building. So we're seeking the, the prosperity of the city and we're not seeing the city as our enemy and we're not seeing those that don't agree with us as our enemy. We have an enemy and he is not flesh and blood. Are you guys with me? So we have a freedom to work together for the blessing of our city and we have a command to stay engaged. Are you guys receiving that? All right, so here's some really cool stories. Um, just some different snapshots from uh, around the United States and, and, and in the world. Here is, here is a great example. Uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, there's a gentleman named Chuck Proudfit. And uh, he heads up an organization called At Work On Purpose. And um, they began in 2003 as a small group of Christ followers meeting together about work as worship. That's a sale all right there, isn't it? Do you guys know work is worship? How many of you ever go, man, I'm going to worship? Well, you can start today because that is what it is. All right. Since then, they've, they've been extremely blessed by God to see their number of participants grow from dozens to thousands of everyday working Christians at their home base in Cincinnati, Ohio. 
The number continues to grow as they share best practices and help inspire workplace leaders all around the world. Their focus at, at Work On Purpose, is to steward an innovative citywide marketplace ministry model. That's a mouthful right there, isn't it? Marketplace ministry model that mobilizes the church at work across church homes, denominations, zip codes, and ministries. Chuck Proudfit is filling a gap in marketplace ministries. Before, they weren't hitting on all E's. I thought these were interesting, guys. Evangelism, ethics, enrichment, and experience. At Work on Purpose has had a more holistic approach that allows them to mobilize workplace leaders for city transformation. They do this through monthly roundtables where they equip and encourage leaders to initiate positive change in their work environment that hopefully overflow to areas of impact outside of their workplace. One example of this is during the 2008 recession, members of At Work On Purpose helped to establish a network of multiple support groups for those being laid off. These groups were designed to be in multiple locations so everyone had access. They were facilitated by Christian entrepreneurs with the purpose for support, but also to help connect people into job opportunities. Isn't that awesome? How many of you guys remember, how many of you are old enough that 2008 you remembered affecting your life? Just like five of us in here. Okay. Well, it was hard, okay, for you young people. I'll just have you know. Today, At Work On Purpose's leaders actively encourage geographically based teams to bring together workplace leaders who in turn develop their own ideas for bringing health to their communities. To me, Proudfit says, this is right out of what the apostles did in Acts 4. They would find out what the needs were and distribute resources. Isn't that awesome? I love love that. I love that. And at this point, the network in Cincinnati, Ohio has over 5,000 people that are coming together to join together to say, how can we bring the values of God into the workplace? And how can we, so what does it look like if work is worship, how do we make that go from what Joshua Rivas is talking about in the scriptures sitting here to actually manifesting in the place where I work. Because how many of you guys know this? You are a specialist in your realm. You're carrying the gospel, but you know way more about how to release the values of the kingdom where you are than I do. Are you with me? You have intel on how best to establish the realities of Christ and his kingdom in the place where you are than anyone else because you're there. The question is, are we stirring one another up to be present and to seek those opportunities? And the opportunities look like the tangible reality of Jesus being in that place. The Jesus who said to women when they were not valued, I see you and you are valuable. The Jesus who taught women when they didn't teach women. The Jesus who spoke to slaves as well as masters in a time when there was slavery. Did you guys know the early leaders of the church, many of them were slaves? This is a countercultural 
kingdom that we're bringing and people as they were in those places, they're going, wait a minute, if the gospel of the kingdom is true, how then must I now live? Are you guys seeing that? And so we're sitting around tables, we're taking time to say, am I bringing this in real time as works and words in the place where I have influence? It gets exciting, doesn't it? All right, so that's a workplace network that continues. And I just love that. In 2008, they're like, yes, let's coach you. Let's walk you through this. We just had a huge housing crisis, but also let's connect you with a job. You need to pay your bills. How many of you guys know that God cares about your bills? All right, here's another one that's exciting. Uh, In a city in the United Kingdom, they are operating in the same thing like what we're doing here with One Hope. So we have a network of churches that come together to pray together. They look for ways to serve together and they're looking to share the gospel together and they're working across sectors in a collaborative way. So they have equity. And what they found in the city was that they were not able to make it to about 80% of calls in this city when the police were called, that they were understaffed with the police and they were not able to get to them. But what they also noticed was that the majority of those calls were like lower level calls. They were like domestic disturbances, not abuses, but disturbances and, and different things that you could actually have some intervention that maybe didn't need an officer to show up with a badge and a gun, but you did need someone to show up. And so what they did was they partnered with 12 different churches in their city and began to train and then have those guys go respond to those calls. So they were linked up. So they began to go and respond to those calls. And what ended up happening was, instead of these things escalating and turning into larger crimes and issues, they actually saw a reduction in crime throughout that city of 50% by partnering together with the people of faith. So the people of goodwill partnering with the people of good faith and the city rising. Isn't that exciting? I feel like Jesus should get a hand for that because that just seems like really good news. And then the, the last story I want to share with you, and there are so many, you guys. There are so many because there are so many creative, amazing things that God wants to do in our cities. But let me share, let me share this one. This one is out of Charlotte, uh, North, well, Charlotte, what, North Carolina. And um, I'm going to just read from this. What they did is really cool, and I want us to do it here so bad. Jesus, do it here. What they came up with was a state of our city report. What they realized is that we do need to come together, and, and that churches and people often will come together based on conviction, which is good. But they oftentimes don't come together based on good intel, which makes it problematic. (laughs) So if you're trying to solve a problem, but you're not sure what the problem is, and everyone's coming with a conviction and a theory of what the problem is, how many of you guys know that gets hard? And especially if you're dealing with people of conviction. I mean, we're just talking about my marriage so far. So what they decided, these, these churches came together and they decided what we could do is we can, we can work together with different agencies here. Let's pay the money. Let's do the legwork. And let's find out what, is the actual, what are the actual needs of our city here in Charlotte. Let's get measurable, objective, identifiable, reportable intel on what our city actually needs. 
the parts where it's doing great, the parts where it's doing medium, and the parts where it just needs help. And so they began to gather from the different sectors just the intel. And what they were finding was there was like lots of inefficiencies amongst the church, the way they were helping, lots of redundancies, and then throughout the city. And the point wasn't to criticize. The point was to say, we're the yeast. We love the city. We want to see it rise. Let's find out what our city needs. And so they did. So they began to gather that information. And I will just read to you just one aspect of it because they looked at a ton of aspects, but I'll, I'll just share one. And I want to read this to you. It is, uh, it is well documented that quality early care and education are foundational to a child's development and have long-term effects on a child's life trajectory. This is from their State of the City report. Given that 90% of brain development occur, occurs by age five, children enrolled in high-quality preschool programs experience lifelong benefits from this early care being less likely to repeat grades, less likely to have interactions with the law, and earning significantly more income than peers that were not enrolled in high-quality preschool. In addition to providing benefits to children, access to quality childcare enables parents to seek and retain employment, increasing economic and family stability. However, access to high-quality early care and education varies widely across the Charlotte neighborhoods, with access limited by cost and available spaces. Childcare fees are challenging for many families, but are cost prohibitive for families living in poverty. Another critical educational milestone for upward mobility is being able to read proficiently by the third grade. A time when a child's education switches from learning to read to read it learning from, I'm sorry, switches from learning to read to reading to learn. Children who are not proficient readers by the third grade are four times more likely to drop out of high school. The third grade literacy proficiency rate is currently at 40% across Charlotte. But there is a wide variation in proficiency rates amongst race, gender, and socioeconomic status. Okay, wait, come back. A pathway to 80. So this is the, this is the initiative then to speak to that. Read Charlotte is a community initiative formed in 2015 as a direct response to the literacy and upward mobility crisis in Charlotte. Read Charlotte aims to double third grade reading proficiency from 39% in 2015 to 80% by 2025 by uniting, by uniting families, educators, and community partners to support children's literacy. After two years of research, Read Charlotte launched its transformation network in 12 targeted CMS elementary schools in 2018. The Transformation Network is comprised of literacy-focused school partnerships, school networks that aim to create transformative change by focusing on four evidence-based activities, helping children build home libraries, empowering families to support literacy at home, providing high-quality tutoring, and stop summer reading loss. In West Charlotte, Churches are working alongside other community organizations to implement Read Charlotte's strategies in neighborhood schools. Recognizing that improving third grade literacy leads to higher graduation rates, lower levels of incarceration, and increased mobility, churches in West Charlotte made a commitment to lean into early literacy. As part of this commitment, community partners hope to adopt a kindergarten class at Ashley Park Pre-K 
through eight school and provide a dedicated reading mentor for every child in that class. Utilizing the Tudor Charlotte program, while the principal loved the idea, she insisted that if reading mentors are provided for one kindergarten class, they must be provided for all kindergarten classes. Stepping up to the challenge, the community mobilized in courageous ways to meet the need, providing 55 kindergarten scholars with a weekly trained reading mentor for the second year in a row to build the child's vocabulary and form positive social connections with young readers. Read Charlotte hopes to double the number of schools with a transformation network next year, but it can't do that without more community partners. More churches are needed to join in the initiative and partner with Read Charlotte and CMS to increase, to increase literacy, build social capital, and transform the lives of the next generation of our city. Isn't that cool? So this is just an example of people of goodwill and people of good faith coming together and meeting a need. And this is, this is so possible and continues to be possible. Now, guys, we're already engaged in this in so many different ways. But my desire this morning is that we would begin to dream, that we would be empowered and encouraged to stay the course. Because some of us are already engaged in this and we need to not, well, the truth is we're all engaged in this but may we be empowered and have even greater joy to see just what kind of impact we're called to have and just how much more impact we get to have. Amen? Well, I want to let us go now and recharge our stomachs with food so we can continue to transform our cities. But I hope this was helpful. Were you guys able to receive that? Were you encouraged by that? All right. Jason is going to bring some, some local intel for us next week, so we're going to look forward to that. But in the meantime, why don't we just stand up? I want to pray over you. The prayer team is going to come. If you need more prayer and ministry, man, we love supporting you where you are called. Um, you don't have to be falling apart to get prayer. You could be succeeding and wanting more fuel, okay? And we want to serve you in that way with prayer. Lord Jesus, I lift up Christ Center. Lord, we are one part of a very, very big church and a very, very big mission. And God, I wanna ask that you would empower each of us, Lord, that you would refresh in us your love for our neighbor, your love for our cities, and Lord, that you would bring clarity, conviction, joy, and empowerment, Lord, where you've placed each of us in our cities. And God, we do pray for the peace and prosperity of our cities, Lord, and that our cities would prosper. And because of that, we would prosper. And out of that, Father, we ask that people would see the excellence of your kingdom and the witness of your people and that they would be called by you and saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.